Welcome to FinTech Fridays. Oh yeah! It's a weekly podcast brought to you by the National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada and Partners. Covering all things FinTech, blockchain, P2P, AI, and alternative finance. Hello everyone, my name is Craig Asano, the founder and CEO of NCFA, welcoming you to another fantastical episode of FinTech Fridays. It's a weekly podcast brought to you by NCFA and Partners where we sit down with incredible people in the fintech and funding community to talk about all things fintech, trends, innovations, developments, even challenges and more. Fintech Fridays is an evolving, innovative educational platform focused on delivering authentic personalities, content and storytelling on the journey to the mainstream adoption of financial technologies and its impact on the future of finance. So welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to episode 51, another milestone episode. Today we have an exciting guest on the show, the CEO of Hard Bacon, Julian Brault. Welcome to the show, Julian. Thank you, Craig. So we're uh, super excited to uh, get the podcast started. We you know, have a great plan, some interesting uh, questions in mind to answer you. You're one of the fastest growing a financial coach, personal finance apps in Canada at the moment. Uh, so great to have you on the show. Why don't we kick things off with, you know, just telling us a little bit about Hard Bacon and, you know, your background, how you got started, what's what's going on? Perfect. So, so I used to be a business journalist and I was covering, uh, you know, technology and venture capital. And uh, honestly, like I saw like the financial service world as, you know, one of the last, you know, dinosaur industry still standing because, you know, I, I, we've seen like retail and it's been a while since retail and travel and a lot of industries like have been completely transformed by technology. Uh, and, and I think right now, like, you know, I, I think it's, it's right to say that, you know, there, there's still a lot of transformation to happen in the financial service industry, but it, it is definitely being impacted by technology. But if you go back to like 2016, 2015, when I was a, still a reporter, uh, it seems that, you know, fintech was a word, but it, it was, you know, so much smaller, like fintech investments numbers were, were so much smaller you know, it was a traditional industry where, you know, advisors, you know, take their car and go to their client's kitchen. Uh, and uh, so, so I was really interested in, in doing something. And another thing that I felt was unfair is that as a, you know, a business journalist, I had a Bloomberg terminal and I had, you know, access to all the information. And yet, like the subscribers to our new newspaper, uh, usually they had, you know, what's free on the internet, which is not so much. And uh, I, I felt I wanted to do something about it. And honestly, uh, I'll be honest with you, like I didn't have the vision for what Hard Bacon uh, have become today. Uh, all I wanted, you know, at the very beginning of Hard Bacon is let, let's solve the problem of self-directed investor and let's give them better tools and better data uh, so they, they, they make better investments. So, so that was the, the kind of the uh, initial uh, thesis for Hard Bacon. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll, I'll let you ask me more questions to discover what Hard Bacon is today. <laughs> Well, the, the whole focus on consumer retail investor, that's very interesting. I mean, there's so many trends right now in the market, it seems with uh, cryptocurrencies and, and combine that with the remote working COVID and maybe it's some of the, the stimulus checks that are going out to the markets. People are at home, they're downloading the apps, they're 
they're interested to, uh, and they have all the digital tools these days, like you were saying. Um, I, I'd like to get into about the, you know, what, what, what about hard bacon? How do you come up with a, a name like that? Like, is that, that doesn't jump out financial coach to me. Yeah, I mean, it's like bring home the bacon, uh, the expression. So, uh, and, and, you know, cold hard cash, like that was the two expression I kind of, mixed together and the, the idea is that you know hard bacon would all, always tell you the truth and, and you know and the idea of like hard cash you know like cash doesn't lie uh and as a reporter you know you a saying is like follow the money and you're gonna understand the story uh so that was kind of the idea for 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 hard bacon uh and uh, also i needed to to have like i didn't have so much money at the beginning so i, I couldn't buy for ten thousand or fifty thousand dollar a premium domain name so i needed you know a word that nobody uh reserved in terms of domain name so hardbacon.com and hardbacon.ca were were available and i snapped it <laughs> i love it i didn't i, I guess uh that that's it the hard bacon the cold cash the digital bacon <laughs> yeah, exactly i mean it, it's not a first name i came up with uh, you know but uh, it, it's the one that uh, and people remember it. it it's it's funny a little bit uh so uh, it's uh, people never uh, forget about hard bacon absolutely so one of the things we like to do on the show is always uh dig in a little bit about the leadership and you know, some of the decisions that CEOs need, need to make because you're steering a ship, you're, you're on this path of, of tremendous growth, uh, the market's ripe and ready. You know, talk to uh, the listeners a little bit about the journey between how do you, you know, you transform from a business tech reporter at one of Canada's largest uh, magazines or newspapers, laissez-faire, and, and now you're running, you know, you're the CEO of a fast-growing fintech. How's, how's that transformation and, uh, you know, what are the challenges and how do you overcome it? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a very different job, but I would say like uh, being a journalist, you need to be very curious. You need to be listening. And I, I feel those those characteristics, you know, and you need to be a good networker to, to get the information you need. So, so those kind of two, three skills are really useful uh, for uh, starting a business to be an entrepreneur. Uh, but it doesn't prepare you to be a manager, which is something entirely different. And I, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite uh, different. And as it grows, you know, the problems are always different. Uh, but uh, it's, it's been a rewarding experience and I learned so much. Uh, but uh, I think it's the same for every entrepreneur. You make mistakes, you improve, uh, and then you, you surround yourself with, with great people that, you know, have expertise that you don't. So that, that's the, the key. <laughs> Absolutely. We hear that time and time again. Got to surround yourself and also listen to, you know, those core advisors and everyone, uh, you know, the CEO's got their head down, building products and, and maybe just can't see the forest from the trees. Uh, yeah. That's the expression. Uh, so that's that's great. It, it resonates, I think, with the audience here. Um, I, I'd like to get in a little bit more about the business model. This yep. like let's break down the whole financial coaching and you know talk a little bit more about the app so i downloaded it you know i got it on my phone looks very slick good ui um what's what's in there and and what is the user experience what is it trying to accomplish so basically our our, our vision is to to answer any question that you may have about your personal finance uh and and to be more concrete basically like we started with 
tools for self-directed investor. And that's when the app launched in 2018. So it connected to all your investment account. And I, I use the past tense, but actually it, it still does all those things. Uh, so uh, we started with, with an app that basically connects your investment account. You can build a watch list, have stock alerts. Uh, you can you know, analyze your portfolio, check out what's the beta, what's the diversification and so on. Uh, and you can also consolidate, you know, different investment accounts. You can have a view of like, what's my return, where my return come from and so on. Uh, so that's on the investment tracking side, but we realized that the main problem of Canadians, uh, were not about, you know, tracking better their portfolio. I, I think it's, it's, it's a problem, uh, but uh, oftentimes uh, users don't have enough financial literacy to realize that they should track better their investment. And it doesn't talk to them. So in terms of we had a kind of a customer acquisition problem and most of the users, the early users of Hardbacon were either accountants or portfolio managers. Uh, so and we set out to build like a, you know, a mainstream app that helped regular people make better financial decisions. So we look at the different problem uh, that, you know, regular people encounter when it comes to, to finance. And, and we identify like planning and budgeting as to place where we could create like tremendous value in terms of allowing people to, to, you know, take better control of their personal finance. And, and that's what made what's today hard bacon. So basically by connecting your bank account and your credit card accounts, uh, you can see exactly where your money goes. You can set limits. So it gives you alert if uh, you're on the path to kind of go over budget and you can uh, add a couple of your goals and it, it does the whole plan for your life. Uh, and tell you if you're on track or not. So basically it's kind of a one-stop shop to, to manage your uh, personal finance. Um, and in terms of monetizing that, uh, we like for us, it's, it's lead generation. Uh, so uh, our bacon will help you find, you know, the credit card that gives you the best uh, cash back or reward. Uh, and we calculate it based on your actual current behavior. And uh, if you sign up to one of the card of our partners, uh, we get paid a referral fee. But if the best card for you is actually, uh, you know, from an issuer that we don't work with, uh, we're still going to tell you and we're not going to make money this time. But the idea is that, you know, you're going to get value from it. And next time you want the financial product or you have a question, you're going to go to a hard bacon. Uh, so, so I give the example of credit card, but we do the same for uh, online brokerage, robot advisor, bank accounts and so on. Uh, so it's uh, so so basically the way to monetize that is lead generation. And it, it's not like we invented that, like Borowell is based on the lead generation model for for loans. Uh, you know, and you have like the, the in Canada, like the, the, the rate hub and the, the rates.ca in the US, you have nerd wallets. And th this is those are all businesses whose main, you know, uh, monetization come from lead generation. So are you um, so your hard baking is primarily focused on, you know, consumers, even though you've got all kinds of financial professionals on their accountants, portfolio managers, uh, since you brought it up, those competitor names, it sounds like the nerd wallets and others, like how, so they're focusing on businesses, you're focusing on consumers, maybe there's some overlap. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, why you're different. Why should a consumer, and what is the demographic? What, you know, at what point in their, their life cycle, you're talking about an app that they download and they're using it daily for, for the life. Uh, of, of their entire life as it, as, as it sounds. 
um, you know, who, who's actually using the app? Uh, what is the feedback and how do you, how do you stand out from the competitors? Where's that real niche? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so our target market is 25 years old to 45 year old. Uh, and you know, it's, it's a target, like most of our users are in that bracket. Uh, I would say like a lot of fintechs say they're focused on millennials and you know, the, we, we obviously target like a, pro, you know, an important portion of the millennials, but 18 year olds don't really think about, uh, you know, don't earn much money to think about, you know, managing it better. Uh, so we found that, you know, you, you need to, to have a kind of a good paying job uh, to, to be in the mindset of thinking about your finance in a more uh, holistic way. Uh, so that's why kind of the 25. And uh, I would say like after a certain age, uh, you start to, you know, right now we're mobile only and we're building the web version. Uh, but after 50 year olds, users ask us like, oh, finance is serious. I would never do that on my phone. Uh, also the, since you need to link the accounts, I would say like in the, the 50 years old and plus crowd, some people don't want to link their accounts. Uh, so that's, and it doesn't mean that we don't have 70 year old uh, users, but you know, most of the users is, is uh, this bracket. Um, as for your other question, like how do we differentiate? Uh, I would say like, we don't have, there, there's not a company that does for, for the consumers exactly what we do, especially in Canada, I would say that, you know, they are budgeting apps in Canada. So there's Mint, there's Emma. Um, there's, uh, I, I think, you know, you need a budget. YNAB is, you know, they is connecting to, to Canadian banks as well. Uh, so those are budgeting competitor in a way, but they, they're not going to, you know, if you want, they don't connect to most investment account in Canada. Um, and even if they, they, they do connect to some, you, you don't know what's going on. It, it just gives you a number. So you don't have your position, your return, et cetera. So, so they only do budgeting and we do investment tracking and financial planning. And, and basically there's, there's no one doing all of those things uh, for, for the Canadian consumers. Right. So when it comes to the investing, it's, you know, it's an area that I'm sure a lot of listeners here are interested in, retail investors, credit investors, uh, and they've got the app. They connect. Do they have to connect their accounts? And is can you make an investment directly on the app, or do you have to, you know, juggle six six apps and then enter them into Hard Bacon? How does it how does it technically work there? So so, so you need to the same way that you know you cannot buy anything using the Hard Bacon app. Like you buy something with your debit card or credit card, and the, the account is linked to Hard Bacon. It's the same for the investment. So you come to Hard Bacon to kind of monitor you know, how your portfolio is doing across one or many investment accounts. And, you know, you have like portfolio analysis, you might get alerts, but then at the end of the day, if you want to, to, to buy a stock, you know, or, or sell a stock, you, you need to connect to your brokerage account, whether it's through an app like, you know, Wealth Simple Trade or through the portal uh, for, for people that work with advisors, you know, that don't have a portal, they, they need to call them. Uh, but we still connect to, you know, uh, traditional as well, like not only online brokerage, but if you work with Nesbit, BMO Nesbit Burns or I don't know, like uh, Fidelity, we, we connect to those guys. But, you know, our bacon is not a brokerage uh, and it's not a transactional app. Right. It's almost like fit, a Fitbit tracker for, for finance and the financial yep. transactions that you do. And, yep. and combined with the budgeting and the portfolio management, all in one, you know, convenient place. I, I like that, like the, the idea of like getting financially fit, 
uh, maybe we can use this in their marketing. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll give you my day rate. Um, what? So the the idea that you kind of pivoted, you started investment, and then you realized, well, you know, twenty five to forty year old, there's this savings and and maybe a debt problem in Canada yes. combined with the challenges of COVID. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit more? Like, what is going on with Canadians? Why why are we such bad savers? Or what what is what is going on? That, that's that's human nature, and it, it's interesting. You know, I uh, coming from a like more modest background, I thought like people that make like huge salaries, you know, like a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollar. You know, I thought they were kind of, you know, my innocent self thought like they, they're rolling into cash and they have no problem. Actually, having talked to so many people about their personal finance, uh, I, I can say that, you know, most people spend exactly what they're earning. And it, it's human nature. And it's actually been studied in many university studies. Like we have a tendency to, to you know, spend everything we make to in the hope that it makes us happy. Uh, and uh, it's problematic, uh, obviously, and it, it's even frustrating. Like, I'll be honest with you, like, when we started lead generation, um, I didn't know that credit card would have been such a strong, uh, you know, growth vertical for us. Uh, like, average Can Canadian have three credit cards, and, you know, there's so many, so, and, and, you know, credit card, what is by far like the, the vertical in which we do the most lead generation and uh, to, to be honest like given our mission uh, to to help people you know get richer I, I didn't like this at first right now like I'm, I'm quite comfortable with it because at the end of the day uh, you know the user or technology to get credit card that pay them more so so you know it's good but you know it, it's still worrying and you, you cannot change human nature you can kind of you know, uh, nudge people in the right direction and remind them about savings. And that's what our app does. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, humans, you know, want an instant gratification and uh, it's kind of a struggle to, 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 to save money. And, uh, you know, so it's, uh, I, I, that, that's my answer. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, it's easy come, easy go. You know, we've all been there and some days you, you, you think there's this perception, oh, I'm, I'm better off than I was yesterday. But if, if you blow it on something that was unexpected, unplanned or make a poor emotional decision when it comes to finances, you'll get in trouble. So not yeah. surprising, you know, that credit cards are so, so popular there. But we're moving into a completely digital world with digital payments, digital investing and you know, with all the new technologies, like what, what's your take on where will be uh, the savings problem and its impact on, on the, the retail debt? And as, as we move digital, like we're, we're talking about digital currencies, including CBDCs. Have, have, you, have you thought about it? Like what, what, what is your take? So, so, I mean, I don't, human nature doesn't change. What changes technology. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, we, we see like uh, in the market, like a lot of, you know, uh, you know, payday loans is moving digitally, but it's still the same thing as, you know, and it's kind of a, a little bit predatory loan to, to, to be honest with people that are struggling uh, to make ends meet. And then you give them a product with high interest and fees. Uh, so, you know, we're going to, 
you know, all our problems are not going away. I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to, to spend more. It's even easier with technology to spend more money when it's on the credit card versus, you know, paying cash and study have proven that, you know, people that spend everything in cash kind of save more money. And actually hard bacon is, is the tool that, you know, making a budget and, you know, having knowing that, you know, I'm making that much money, I'm spending that much money is really important because if someone, you know, don't look at their bank account, and a lot of people are like that, they don't look at their bank account, they don't read their, their, their pay slip, uh, and, at the, and they end up spending, you know, more or less exactly what they're earning. Uh, so, so in order to save, you need to kind of take, uh, you know, uh, ownership of your personal financial situation. Uh, some you don't need technology. Some people do this by, you know, I've met people that actually write in a little paper notebook everything they spend. And that's a good practice of being kind of mindful about what you're spending. Uh, and, you know, technology are like hard bacon, just make it easier uh, to, to manage your, your, your money. But Honestly, I don't think technology will either create so much more problem or, or solve all the problem. I think it's just, you know, uh, an evolution of human nature doesn't change. But I guess tool will be there for people that want to be really great at managing their money. So it's going to be easier than in the past and noting everything down on a paper and, you know, uh, getting a brokerage account, you know, used to be expensive and complicated and you needed to have connection. Today, you can download an app and, and start right away without basically any capital. So, so it's easier to be like financially responsible and it's easier to be financially irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, tech can streamline and make an experience pretty, you know, pretty slick, pretty cool, accessible, but it's the human behavior. So if we, maybe if we combine some technologies, we can work towards curbing the human behaviors. As far as savings and investing is concerned, I mean, I feel great now that I know and I'm tracking that I've benchmarked my, my value and I'm a little bit up and I, I've saved you know, more this week and, and cumulatively it's growing. And I've got my kids on that program, uh, set up RESPs the other day. So I, I think it's that instant gratification when you spend something and some people feel good about that, you should equally feel good when you're saving or, or your wealth is growing or, you know, yep. or your knowledge is growing. So I, I think you're, you know, you're on something. So yeah, Craig, I'd like to make a point that because, you know, uh, statistically, like, and there's this huge debate in the, you know, uh, wealth management world where they say like retail investors should just invest, you know, do index investing. And, and actually the, the, the side of the debate is right, right. Most people shouldn't pick stock because they're not good at it. It's really hard. Even most professional cannot, you know, after fees beat the market. So how retail can uh, is a very good question to ask yourself. Uh, but actually, like, you know, if, if you're thinking this in terms of like, you know, trying to beat the market and people that do a lot of transaction and end up losing a lot of money, uh, then you can say stock picking is bad. But another benefit of stock picking is that you feel like you bought something and there's kind of an instant gratification. And the cool thing is that this thing you just bought, you know, is going to give you dividends sometimes and it's going to grow. Uh, so, so that's one of the aspects. And, and, you know, I, I'm not saying everybody should do stock picking. I think index is index investing for rational people that, you know, just want the solution that uh, is going to get them like a, a market similar return is is great uh but i i feel like if 
people you know want to invest in company they believe in they just have to build you know a diversified portfolio and 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 you know 10 15 maybe 20 stocks and and not trade them just sit on it because they're good companies and they might get a little less than the market return they might get a little more uh, but at the end of the day it's going to be similar to the market if it's well diversified even if it's less diversified than you know an, an etf portfolio that have maybe an exposition to a thousand securities uh, just with like 20 securities you can you're going to get you know return that are going to look more or less uh, like the, the market as a whole unless you just you know you you just invest in the same sector or you invest in just like uh, penny stock or something like that uh, but uh, I think it's another solution that kind of uh, feed or instant gratification uh, sense and it's like oh I just bought some some stock in I don't know, like Facebook or something, and then you feel good. <laughs> well, people like talking about it in the, you know, different circles by the water cooler, but it, like, they have to take control. I think it starts with education, and really, that's you know, core linchpin to I think your business model because you're you're training, you're changing behavior, but you're educating, and it come it it touches upon a very timely and sensitive topic uh, in the areas of you know, open finance, where consumers are going to have more access and control and ownership of their data. Uh, open finance, perfect example is these emerging regulations in open banking, consumer directed finance. Like, do you do you think that 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 movement uh, or that that need that consumers should be should have their that right to control uh, and have access to their data? And, and let's say not the financial institutions. What, what is your thoughts on open finance and consumers taking control of their their own data, their own financial data. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's obvious that people should own their data and should decide, you know, who have access to it and how and, and why. And right now it's, it's just like, you know, the, the, the whole industry, whether it's us or another fintech that use, you know, bank account connection. And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite mainstream, like millions of Canadian uh, are using those technology, whether it's through hard bacon, through mint, through like a loan application. And basically what they do is that they, they give their username and password uh, to a third party. Uh, obviously it's very secure, like most, you know, whatever the FinTech app, it ends up being the same provider, whether it's like a Plaid, a Flinks, a MX, etc. cetera. Uh, but it, it would be much better if they just connect to their financial institution and they say, I allow hard bacon, to access, you know, this specific account, but I don't want Hardbacon to, you know, be able to transact. I don't want Hardbacon to see my mortgage for some reason. I don't know why, but it's their data. Uh, so, so it, it would be like, you know, much better. Uh, and also like, comp like fintech like us would have like a better infrastructure to connect with because we would be talking directly to the banking system, and instead of relying on third party that connect to the bank account and scrape information. Uh, so, so, so obviously I'm, I'm all in favor of open banking and Canada tend to be, you know, a few years uh, late to the party. So um, I'm not expecting this this year, but you know, there, there's some talk as you know, uh, at the federal government level. And I, I think sooner or later it's going to happen. <laughs> mm. And is that going to have a significant uh, impact once those regulations you know, it's not an if; it's it's really when yeah. uh, come come to market. Uh, are, are you going to? You know, you really have a digital finance platform. What do, what do you envision? Let's say open banking regs are, are here today. How's that going to change your model? 
so so one I, I think it's gonna you know accelerate the adoption of those technologies so more people will be comfortable you know connecting their bank account investment account to third parties for sure so it's going to help us in that way i think reliability you know of those connection will improve as well. And we've seen this in, in Europe where, you know, open banking is actually a law. Um, so it's going to be good for us. And, and finally, I think we're going to see like, you know, a lot of new business model. And, and you know, another thing that makes so much sense is like why there's no app store in your banking portal. You know, you have all those tabs and it looked like a software from the 90s. And, and actually, you know, the, those software are used by millions and millions of people, obviously, you know, there's like five big banks in Canada, most Canadian are there. Uh, and it would be great if there would be like, a, you know, a tax software that you can do your tax directly from your bank account, maybe like a budgeting software like Hardbacon. So uh, I feel sooner or later, like a financial institution will, will open an app store uh, based on, you know, the fact that there is open uh, banking and those third party can connect safely to those data. And uh, I think it's going to be like a new era of growth for, for, for the fintechs. And at the end of the day, like uh, most banks don't want that, but you know, once one bank do it, uh, it you know, they're going to have a huge competitive advantage. People will love, you know, having a better service and, and, you know, other banks will either imitate them and have their own app store or, you know, the, this bank that is kind of an early adopter will, will kind of, you know, um, have even bigger market share. And we've seen this with the, 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 the phone market with, you know, iPhone basically killing BlackBerry because uh, people wanted app. I, I think people want to, you know, help with their finance, uh, with their tax and, you know, other stuff. And I think FinTech are, are you know, th that's their, their core, you know, expertise is software. Bank core uh, expertise is risk management and, and finance. And, and those are, it's hard to be great at software and be great at risk management and, 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 and finance, finance and compliance. Uh, so uh, that, that's my take. Uh, I know other FinTech are taking the route of building their own financial institution uh, with, uh, you know, a more focus on, on UX and, and, and technology. Uh, but my take is that it's a different, you know, muscle and uh, there's going to be great software company and great financial institution. I'm not sure if, uh, you know, banks are going to be fintech and fintech are going to be banks. But anyway, that, that's another debate. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, big tech. Well, if the banks don't do it, you know, create a super app like what's going on in China, the, the, the integrations of WeChat and Alipay. Yeah. And you know, story after story. I mean, I, we, we have um, my sister-in-law over there who's, who's the, you know, country manager of Swift. They they have super apps and they, they have really done away with cash. Everything's completely digital, order everything. And if you look at those apps, it, it is really, uh, a, well, the super apps, it's, it's just littered with icons and you can do a tremendous amount of servicing. So, uh, and, and, yeah, and, and the model that we see is that, you know, and, and it's, it's much more pre present like in the US or, or, or in Europe where, you know, uh, uh, there are financial institutions like uh, whether it's a brokerage or a bank that have an API and don't even serve clients. They serve clients through third parties and, and those fintech that want to be a financial institution, uh, 
uh, will offer the service, but at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's a financial institution that's actually managed the, 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 the risk management and the finance behind, and they connect to it, and they are the, the front-facing, you know, uh, element of delivering the service. Like, that's not the business plan of Hardbacon. Hardbacon don't want to, you know, uh, be your bank account or, or sell you a mortgage. We want to help you find, you know, the best bank account and manage your money, but we don't want to do the service. But uh, I definitely think, you know, there's going to be neo bank and so on. But my point is that uh, I, I feel those are very different expertise. And, you know, uh, I think fintech, you know, do fintech and, and, and bank or financial institution, maybe there's going to be new, you know, a new charter bank that is going to incorporate for that specific purpose of, you know, uh, offering the service as kind of a backend and not having clients. But uh, I feel it's very hard to be good at everything at the same time, especially in the, in the industry as regulated and complicated as uh, uh, the, the financial service industry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, absolutely. <clears throat> okay, well, shifting gears a little bit here, yeah. I happen to know that, you know, very exciting news that you're a couple weeks out or week out, you, you've got a live fundraising you know, equity crowdfunding campaign on the go with one of NCFA's, uh, you know, partner platforms, Front Funder. Can you tell us a little bit? And this isn't your first equity crowdfunding campaign. So you're you're like an expert of experts. Can you tell the audience about the experience and, you know, what you learn? What do you think? How's it going? Yeah. So, I mean, equity crowdfunding is basically, you know, raising uh, venture capital, except that there is much more people that participate in the round. And also we have the chance to use a platform called Front Funder, which kind of, you know, automatize the process that would basically be done by, you know, lawyers, because you would meet an investor and then he's like, oh, sure, I'm interested. And then there would be, you know, back and forth, they make an investment contract or a subscription agreement to be precise. And then they send it over, they sign it, they make sure that the money is in a, you know, uh, in the bank account and so on. Uh, with Front Funder, the cool thing is that since, you know, they automate most of the, those steps, uh, you can, you know, in a traditional round, like if someone wants to put 10,000, like usually the minimum tickets can be 25 or 50K, uh, depending on the size of the round, some rounds going to be millions of dollars. Uh, then it's, it's removed this need to have like a minimum ticket size. So like in this current round, we accept, you know, from, we had investment from $500 to 50,000. And uh, it's, it's not more work uh, on our end. I guess it's some work for a front funder because they still have, you know, some regulation to, to comply to. Uh, but, uh, and also it's, it's a great opportunity to do kind of a, a huge marketing campaign. And in our case, it's kind of serve us because we're, you know, uh, targeting B2Cs, people that want, uh, you know, a tool for managing better their money. So there's kind of an alignment and actually a lot of our users you know invested in the round and potentially a lot of investors that we you know that came to us through front funder uh, are our users now so so there, there's kind of a uh, you know uh, a synergy here uh, you know it's, it's it's a round that allows you to to kind of get better known in the country so so for, for us it makes sense uh, it might not make sense for any company <laughs> Yeah, the network effect, one of the, you know, that was a huge marketing benefits and anyone who, who does invest $500 or, or million dollars, whatever it might be, you know, they're, they are taking control, just going back and touching upon some of those notes that we talked earlier in the podcast, they're 
they're feeling excited about their direct investment, they feel connected to it, naturally, they want to talk about it. So I, uh, all things considered, it's, it sounds great. The automation of, of a venture capital transaction meets marketing and networking and the things that businesses need to operate. So I, as part of preparing for the podcast, we did a little research and, you know, we, uh, we know you've done the equity crowdfunding. We know you're also interested in this, uh, uh, the IPO route. Yeah. Maybe compare and contrast. Like, what is your thoughts with um, going IPO? Why do you want to go IPO? And it's, it's going to be an evolution. And, you know, the interesting thing, it's, it's not really cannibalizing equity crowdfunding. It's um, complementary. It's, it's, it's an escalator, right? It's a funding escalator for a lot of companies that are on this path to success. So what are, what are your thoughts on IPO? So, so per, per, uh, I just want to precise uh, something. My, my lawyer told me to, to, to be very clear about that. We did not uh, file the prospectus yet. So what we said is that we have uh, an intention to go public in 2021. And I just wouldn't want any of your listener to think that we have a prospectus and we're raising for the IPO right now because that's not the case. Uh, but uh, saying that, like, uh, I'll explain to you the rationale. Uh, basically, like, you know, raising uh, money through equity crowdfunding, uh, we did this through uh, an offering memorandum. Uh, so basically, it's a, it's a long document that look a little bit like a prospectus, but, you know, it's a, it's a little less long and less complicated to produce. Um, and uh, we... Having done that, we, 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 you know, we have more than 50 shareholders, so we still need to have like audited financial statement every year and, and file, you know, transaction on, on SEDAR. So there's a lot of like, you know, regulation that are usually apply only to public company that apply to a private company that went through equity crowdfunding. Um, another thing that, you know, is very costly for a company to go public is, and, and that's why there's so many companies doing RTOs, which is basically like, you know, they get bought out by, you know, empty shells listed on the stock market uh, to go public. Uh, it's because you need, depending on the stock market, like 150 or 200 shareholders, and you cannot raise from regular people. Uh, we, we kind of solved that problem. You know, we, we did raise through non-accredited investor, you know, using the, the, the crowdfunding exemptions. Uh, so, so for us, like the step be, between like, you know, the, the status quo and not being public and being public is not so big as uh, you might think. Uh, th there are, you know, some fees for, for listing and, you know, some, so, some, some fees as well on the broker side and lawyers and so on. Uh, but it's, it's much less uh, complicated now to go public than it used to be. Uh, so that's one of the reasons. Another reason is that there's a lot of appetite on the public market uh, for technology play and, and even early stage companies, which is crazy. Like traditionally, you know, uh, VCs were funding the, the, you know, the very early stage companies. And then when they were, you know, big enough, they would list on a stock market. Now it's, it's a little bit like a, a crazy world where, you know, there are companies that, you know, they list and they, they're worth 40, $50 billion in the, uh, as private companies. Uh, and they list not to finance themselves, they list just for their investors to exit. And uh, I feel like right now, and this is particular to 2020, there's, there's more early stage capital in the public market than in the private. So that's one thing. Uh, another uh, reason for doing this is that we want to consolidate the lead generation market in Canada. And, uh, you know, being public, you have 
you know, an ability to, uh, you know, quote unquote, print money. It's not a bank charter. <laughs> it's not as good, but you can, uh, you know, issue stocks and you can make acquisition uh, with your stock. So, so it kind of open possibilities in terms of uh, making acquisitions. Uh, and that, that's part of our, our, our play as we want to buy like business that have traffic in the personal finance uh, space, but don't have technology and just put our technology that, you know, help people uh, find the best product that they, they want. And uh, so, so we're going to get some synergy. And, and finally, and then I stopped talking, uh, is that, uh, you know, the, the, the sales to um, the, the, the sales ratio, uh, you know, for, for media um, company uh, or online media company in the, the public markets is about one time. So if you make like a company that makes 1 million revenue is going to be worth a million. Uh, this is for me, online media. For fintech, it's like about 15 or 30. Uh, so, so there is kind of an opportunity for us as a, you know, uh, uh, once we become a public company in the future, um, to, to basically acquire your online media, get their traffic of people that have question about their personal finance and kind of transform this revenue from media to technology. So, so that's, that's the play here. Well, that's uh, a lot of reasons, a lot of good reasons. So, I mean, you're at a very exciting time for, for hard bacon. Is, is the ticker symbol going to be bacon? I, I don't know. I, I mean, <laughs> we need to first, you know, it's, it's the exchange that is going to decide. And uh, since we didn't file for the prospectus, we, we don't have the, uh, you know, we don't have the, the acceptation letter for, for, from the exchange. So, so we don't know. Uh, but uh, yeah, I have a couple of good ideas. <laughs> of that, things. That's awesome. <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly be following uh, the developments and growth. So, you know, we're, we're sort of getting towards the end of the podcast here. I was thinking um, we, we, we always do some speed round questions, but before we do, I wanted to um, just give you an opportunity to, to like the future vision and, are, are you looking for any partnerships? How can our audience maybe help Hard Bacon achieve some of its goals and also collaborate and participate in success? Are you looking for any partnerships or what, where do you see Hard Bacon in the next like three to five years? What's coming down the pipeline? So that, that's a lot of uh, question at the same time. Uh, like for partnership, yes, we, we do white label for financial institution. Uh, so basically, if you have listeners that, you know, are executive at financial service company that want to do planning, budgeting, or investment tracking, uh, you know, they can reach out to me and we can talk. But at the end of the day, like this place is about uh, personal financial data. Uh, so what's coming next is, is uh, like we, one of the things that we don't have in terms of data is, is credit score. So that's the thing we're going to add to the Arbacon app. And uh, the, the vision for, for the future is that we want people to uh, equate Arbacon as the place where they go to answer any question about their finance uh, that they have. So, so if you ask me like five years from now, I hope, you know, uh, we can help people uh, do their income tax. Uh, I hope uh, that Harbacon can, you know, maybe you can ask a question to Harbacon uh, through a chat interface and it answers you. And it's like, do, should, should I change job? What's going to be the impact on my retirement if I, if I 
get this job instead of this other one. And, and then Heartbaking is going to help you make the decision. Uh, so, so, you know, you asked me like kind of a longer term uh, question. So it's, those are not, you know, features that we have. And th those are just examples. But the idea is that we would like that, you know, every time you want to buy something, you're not Googling, you go to Amazon and you buy it. So every time that you're thinking about, you know, buying a financial product, uh, you know, making a financial decision would like people to just take their phone or, or maybe ask, you know, one of those assistants like Siri a question and then Heartbacon would, you know, help you make the decision. I think it's perfect. Uh, now, that's a great, great idea. E education and, and you're connecting experts who, who love to provide advice with those that need it. And, you know, hopefully we'll be able to solve through the app and, and the, the people and the advice, the, the savings issue and, and the debt issue that we have here in Canada uh, and do so much more together. So, um, okay, our, our favorite part of the show, it's the time for the speed round questions. Um, we're just gonna fire some, some rapid fire questions and we're just expecting a short, you know, top of the mind uh, kind of answer. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, so what do you, uh, what do you prefer, Android or iOS? iOS. Yeah, I've been Android my whole, I'm, I'm so old school. I gotta, you know, I've been off the Apple. Um, I actually was an Android guy. And then the first version of the Art Bacon app was the iOS app. I had to change because I was doing so much demo. And as I get older, I'm kind of lazy in terms of changing OS. So, so now I'm not used to Android anymore. <laughs> okay, what, what's, your, uh, what's your favorite beverage? Uh, Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. What gets you most excited to come into work every day? Oh, uh, learning new things. Nice answer. What advice would you give yourself, an 18-year-old version of yourself, you know, at this point in your life? What would you say to yourself? Mm, be less impatient. Less impatience. That's a good one. If you had any superpower, you know, you could fly, super strength, what would it be and why? Oh, I'd like to to see through walls uh, <laughs> because I, I, I feel information is power and everything I did in my career was related to, you know, democratizing information and, uh, you know, seeing through walls with maybe hearing through walls would be even better. <laughs> That's dangerous. That's the better try the privacy commission. Um, if, if you could, if you could, if you found a $10 million lottery ticket on the ground, you found a ticket and it turned out to be worth 10 million. What would you do with the 10 million? What would I, I guess, I guess I would probably, you know, and it's, it's a funny question because uh, like I would probably invest it in my company, uh, you know, try to buy out investors uh, because I think it's going to be so valuable. But, you know, I, I'm not doing this for money, uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm not, maybe that or maybe buying a house or something. <laughs> Well, you, you'd, you'd be a pandemic <laughs> buying a house in the pandemic. Uh, we've got some crazy over list prices. Um, yeah. You could ask me all about it afterwards. Okay. Well, I think, um, you know, that's, that's almost a wrap here. Which is the last, last question I want to ask you is if people want to get in touch with you, Julian, how do they do it? Where do they download the app? How do they find you? That's a good question. So they can just go to, if they have Android like you, they can go to Google Play and type hard bacon, uh, iPhone, the same thing, the App Store. Uh, they want to reach out to me. It's uh, Julien with the E uh, at hardbacon.com and they can, 
you know, email me, add me on LinkedIn. So that's, uh, that's about the, the, the different things they, they can do or, or go to our website. Uh, they, they can shop for financial products. So, so right now the, 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 the website doesn't offer uh, the, the budgeting and so on, but it, it already offers the, 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 the shopping experience for financial products. Perfect. And of course, I'm going to include uh, your contact information in the, the show notes if anyone gets in, in touch with you. Uh, thanks so much, Julian, for sitting down with us on the show. Um, it's been great. Love to have you back anytime. And behalf, on behalf of the FinTech Fridays podcast, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so if you're new to FinTech Fridays, please check out some of our incredible past episodes on the site. You'll be surprised what you find. We look forward to seeing you next Friday for another episode of FinTech Fridays. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, Julian. Really appreciate it. Super appreciated. You've been listening to FinTech Fridays, brought to you by NCFA and Partners. Tune in weekly for the latest FinTech Friday podcast by subscribing to this channel. The National Crowdfunding and FinTech Association of Canada is a nonprofit actively engaged with social and investment FinTech sectors around the globe and provides education, research, industry stewardship, services, and networking opportunities to thousands of members and subscribers. For more information, please visit ncfacanada.org. Oh yeah!